Hey, I have a question. If you have a uh, alert that says critical in Slack, but you never check it, does that mean it's critical? <laughs> no. I just saw all your critical shit on Slack in your Slack channel. I mean, Is I don't. That, I are don't those actually check. critical? No, they're. It's it's <laughs> no. It's the the problem with you know DevOps monitoring. It's completely useless because you care about you don't care about if there's a random request that takes two hundred two thousand milliseconds. Um, that's not really indicative of anything, right? So, but, that, but you do want to know if. You want to know if the website's down. You yeah. want to know if the website's really slow for a lot of people. And they, that, you know, all these monitoring services, they proxy that by, okay, I'm going to send you an alert if there's a, like a request over this. Now, to be fair, a lot of these services have gotten much, much better and they mm-hmm. will look for like 10 requests that go over. Um, but yeah, it's just, yeah, it's useless. It's one of those things you set up because it's like, um, happy path set up. And then, yeah. you know, two years later, it's just, useless and we don't yeah. even look at that channel what is it what do we use for that uh we use there's like a combination of things there is a like roll bar for error monitoring um you know there's another thing with roll bar where like people will just like randomly hit api endpoints without the proper params mm-hmm. you know or, or like they're scanning for like wp login.php yeah and like that will trigger errors sometimes yeah um i think i've Got rid of those 404 ones, but still, you know. Anyway, Rollbar, uh, there's a logging service. I don't know which one. One of the Paper Trail or something, mm-hmm. one of the default Heroku ones. And then Heroku has some metrics. And those things all have like Slack integration, and it's so easy to set up, right? You just click a button, yeah. and they're in your Slack channel. So and then you ignore them. <laughs> it's a black hole, yeah. Yep. Yeah. It seems like a product problem, you know? Oh, uh, I, I, absolutely. not. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, like, when you're setting up these ops tools, they're like, it's like you're like the UIs and everything, or like the UIs directly tr- translate to like um, like uh, Apache log monitoring or yeah. Nginx log monitoring or like Rails log monitoring. It's not like we need more than that. Um, right. So there's definitely a product, a way to present it. And, I, you know, to be fair, like I'm like, definitely like two years behind on all this stuff and i think some of the newer stuff um with like observability is is a lot better and i've heard i've heard people like enjoy that and it's not like the old you know just tailing log files and yeah looking for for errors yeah i know wes and and uh scott on uh, syntax fm always talk about um log rocket and i think it has a ui where it lets you know and you can go you can just click on it and then there's a UI right there. So you can just say like, ignore this alert or whatever. So that's what I would like, you know? Cool. Yeah. Um, Rollbar has that, but it still feels like it's just a website into your rails log. Right. Um, right. Yeah. And there's just tons of errors that just naturally happen that are errors, but they're not important to us. Right. So, right. Cool, man. Fun times. Yeah. I've uh I've been traveling a little bit. I just got back from Seattle. Cool. Um it's pretty fun, man. Pretty fun. Pretty nice time of year out there. I saw a photo you posted like in the mountains. It looked like you yeah. were in like the like Swiss Alps. It was crazy. It really does feel like that out there. It's like the Swiss Alps of the of the, uh, the western part of America, you know. Is that how far was that outside of Seattle? It's the um let me look it up real quick. It's it's 
not too far. It was like it was like two hours basically, um, and it was this place, the Cascades, or is the mountain range there that they said that about, and um, it's awesome. And then you just drive through the Cascades and you go to this place called Leavenworth, and it's like this old Bavarian style town, and um, it's adorable and it's just fun. It has. Leavenworth is a Bavarian-style village in the Cascade Mountains, central Washington state. Alpine-style buildings with a restaurant serving German beer and food line front street. <laughs> it was pretty awesome. Everyone's just out drinking beer and, you know, we got like bratwurst and we got like <laughs> German chocolate and it was awesome. And like you're just in the mountains there. I was like, this place must be absolutely perfect in the winter, you know, like yeah. when, when the when the mountains are like snow peak, snow cap mountains and in and, and the background and and they have all the lights up and everything. You know, it, it felt really, really cool there. Um, nice. Like, not touristy at all. Like, there's just people who live there. And it's just, it's really cool. So, that was like a little day trip we did outside of Seattle, which was fun. The mountains are crazy, though. I mean, like, it was kind of cloudy. You know, it was overcast a little bit. But once we got there, like, the sun came out. And, yeah, that shot I took, it was just like, you turn around the corner. It was like, whoa. It's like, you finally <laughs> see the mountains. And it's just so funny every time I go to the West Coast. Because it's like, oh, that's a mountain. You know, I forgot yeah. what those look like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. We have mountains here. And they're, they're like hills. Yeah. But it was fun. Seattle was fun. Seattle's, like, basically like New York. Actually, they're a little bit further along, I think, because they're... There was actually restaurants where they were serving inside, which is pretty crazy. So it was like the first time I've eaten inside of a restaurant in like six months, you know? Oh, wow. Yeah. What? So you can um, go inside like at 33% capacity or whatever. Okay. Um, huh. So it was pretty cool. And then they also had like a sidewalk seating just like in New York. So we went to a lot of good places. Uh, my friend there lives in uh, ba- Ballard, which is like a pretty cool part of town. Um you know, maybe like a Williamsburg or something equivalent. And so they have like breweries everywhere. There's like this oh, one man. corner that has like four breweries next to each other. And everyone's just was out, you know, with their dogs and drinking beer. at Like delicious, delicious, hazy West Coast IPA. Yeah, it's I was going to so say that, good. that Pacific Northwest. Yep. It's, it's really good, man. It's like that is the one thing I feel like I haven't. And I haven't really gone looking for it. But in New York, I'm just so used to getting like the craft cocktails and stuff. Um, when I have those beers, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, these are so good. Oh, you can't, you can't, you have to like go to a restaurant that specializes in that stuff in New York. Um, New York, it's just like the same six beers, like yeah. Brooklyn Lager, Lagunitas, yeah. Like, you know. Um, but yeah, New York is all like cocktails for sure. There has to be hazy IPAs. You can oh, buy. yeah. It, I think Redwood you, has some breweries down, or uh, not Redwood. Red, Red Hook. Yeah, Red Hook. Yeah, you can, you can look out bar, you can look out for bars. Seek them out, really, yeah. Yeah, yeah. For really good beer menus, but you have to like be deliberate about that. Yeah, where I feel like like Seattle or San Diego, they're just gonna be everywhere. Yeah, you just you go into like a like dive bar and they have the best the best IPAs you've ever had. It's ridiculous. How those people all not like three hundred pounds? I mean, (laughs) they just I drank so much beer over the last four days. It was wonderful. And he also had a delivery service, so like half his fridge, half his fridge is like just like great beers and so i was just like <laughs> i felt like i was a kid in the candy store it would be like 11 30 we're like we're going to bed it's like oh, i could have one more there's like <laughs> yeah. another delicious one in here like you know so it was fun nice yeah hang out with his dog play outside do some grilling it was it was a good time oh he also has like this really nice butcher shop and he's gotten into like grilling so we had this like buvet like steak that he like 
seared and like on the charcoal it was just delicious so it was fun fun to get out of the city be in a place with a little bit more space you know it's not super dense there so mm. um kind of have more space to just chill out i i started working on a project I, I had missed my video last week so i thought if i could make a video while i was kind of traveling that'd be fun so i took some footage of like me going to the airport and like working on my personal site at the airport and on the plane so i'm gonna edit that together soon and publish that this week nice. but um i i missed publishing my personal work journal update last week so i was thinking and, and it was just kind of like i was i've just been socializing a lot and like maximizing my time away from the screen and outside of my apartment because it's been coronavirus for months and i feel <laughs> like that's okay to do um but I did want to keep up with the work journal. I'm going to. But it's just kind of an, enough of a pain that I was just like, I don't want to do it. Because, like, you have to open up samselkoff.com and VS Code. You have to run the Gatsby site. You have to go over there and then you have to start writing a bunch of JS. I don't want to do that. I just want to, like, I just want to drop in yeah. some notes to, like, update my work journal, you know? So I thought it was a good, it's like yak shaving, right? It's like, what are you doing? I'm, <laughs> what does it look like I'm doing? I'm writing my work journal. Meanwhile, I'm like porting my entire personal site from Gatsby to Next. <laughs> so I actually feel like I, I know I don't need to 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 use Next to do this. Like Gatsby, uh, I could just do things on the client for it. But um, I just felt like uh, once I started going the route of having a backend um for my personal site and if i want to do more experiments with that i wanted to have next because i wanted to have the api routes there and again i think i mm -hmm. could just i'm going to use firebase for it and i think i could just pull it in and not need that um but i just felt like it's just nice to have it there because i'm never going to get locked into something where i was like oh i'm so far down this site with gatsby and now i need an api route what the heck do i do like what what do you actually do there and it's like I don't want to have to think about. It. I just want to have an answer for it. And with Next, it's just obvious what you do, right? Yep. Um, yeah. So the, the Gatsby answer would be like deploy like a cloud function. Exactly. It's outside, but that's like outside the scope of Gatsby. So now, exactly. Now you have to make all those decisions yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and Next has just been improving a lot, and so the gap between Get Next and Gatsby for the things that Gatsby used to have an advantage of are like really closing fast. Dude, every day, every yeah. day that gap gets <laughs> wider and wider. It's crazy that they're 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 how fast they're moving on it, you know. Yep. Um, and it also feels like uh, the philosophy. You know, we've talked about this before, like the the philosophy of the people who are writing the tools you use, how they think about it, what problems they're trying to solve. Um, I think Gatsby's main focus is like, is helping, you know, large, let's say like a large e-commerce site or like an old WordPress site. That's kind of like almost their explicit goals. And in, in some of the marketing materials they put out is like, it's like the new WordPress. Well, like I'm not a WordPress developer, so, you know, yep. um, uh, I think the next stuff is more aligned. Um, so yeah, man, I basically packed up on Wednesday and I flew, you know, it's like a five hour flight. Um, please remind me to always buy extra legroom seating and never, ever, ever, ever let me save money for that ever. I think, I think we talked about this last, last episode and, and the, the conclusion was no one flies. So you're going to have yeah. a little road to yourself. The problem is if you ride United, which are like the worst <laughs> planes in existence and it's awful and miserable. I'm like still recovering from my travel day yesterday. Cause I, I had a whole travel day yesterday, but anyways, I ended up 
buying an upgrade on the way there because my seat didn't have power and the legroom was just ridiculous, even though there was no one in my row. So I spent like 150 bucks just to upgrade my seat. Just to get power. It's pro- I mean, it's probably worth it. If you it was totally worth a, it because I got site. to work for like four yeah. hours and I basically finished the whole thing. Um, it was awesome. So it was totally worth it. And um, on the way back, unfortunately, there wasn't, they didn't have that option. But anyway, so yeah, I worked on it basically like three hours or four hours and a little bit at the airport before and um, got most of it done. I mean, my, my site is pretty easy. There's like five pages and um, mostly they're React components um, and just like in Gatsby. So, so yeah, this is basically from Gatsby to Next is going to be what my video is going to be about. And just talking about some of the differences. But basically, you know, Gatsby has a pages directory. Next has a pages directory. So I started by moving those over. You know, the little things like getting Tailwind set up. And um, what were some of the other things? like? Probably like the layout stuff. It's a the layout different. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, exactly. Like using the underscore app file to do the, 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 the navigation. Um, uh, that was a little bit different, but, but still easy. There's a few things that were a little tricky. I'll talk about those. But um, uh, yeah, basically, let's see here. I've got my app, pages app, and what's in that. So there's a lot in here. Um, I have like this animated overlay thing that I use on my mobile menu, which uses React Spring. And man, all this stuff was like, it was pretty awesome to just port it over and just see it render because like, it's a big change to go from a framework like Gatsby to next that's a big change but like most of my content like most of the app is like in these it's like react and it made me really be thankful for that because it felt like um again we've talked about this before but it's like why what's one explanation for why react became so popular what's one explanation for why graphql became so popular and it's because they got the boundaries right right the boundaries are, are so clean that you can have uh, app written in a tool like Gatsby, but still have a, a nice clean separation between your React UI description and then all the plumbing, right? Um, so I was just pretty, I was like continually impressed when like I was getting things working or the spring animation was working. I was like, yeah, it's all React. Why wouldn't it work? But it's like still pretty crazy. I mean, it's cool. You get to see, yeah, you get to see that. You get to see what we've been talking about. Yeah. And cool. like, and then also like all those things are working, but you have like Next.js fast refresh and Next.js caching. Like when I click the first time, it's like lazily generating the page. So it's like a much faster startup time. But then when I click around, it's fast, which is going to be like what it's going to be like in mm-hmm. um, in production and the SSR stuff as well. Um, so that was all really, really cool. Have you deployed this? No. Okay. No. I, I'll... Um... I'm I'm guessing you're going to use Vercel in, instead. Yeah, of I want to. I, I want okay. to. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be I'd be very interested to know how that, um, yeah, how that move goes. Right, because I have some like Netlify stuff in here. Although this is like I really try to keep this on the happy path when I made this because I one of my goals with like updating my site, personal site when I did that like a couple months ago was just like least debt possible, like yeah. the least code possible, so it doesn't get back into a situation where you know, um. It's hard to update the links. So it's it's kind of fun because I usually do this thing now. We, we've been doing this. I mean, um, where we have this kind of like component slash UI.js file where we export like title and lead and spacer and A tags. And, and then you start importing those things. And it kind of gives you a little bit of a seam. 
you know, as far as the abstraction layer goes so that, you know, a lot of it's for like re repeating, not repeating Tailwind classes. Like I want a title on all five of my pages. So I just want to import a title component. Um, and obviously we've taken that too far sometimes where it makes it harder to use. But one nice thing about it is that, uh, the things that are different between Gatsby and Next, I was able to isolate basically to those things. There was and there was a few there was a few parts where um, Gatsby's like APIs were leaking into my application code. So like doing this really made me feel like, oh, I actually want to go even one step further just on the few areas. So you you really do have this isolation and like my content really is just React. So for example, like the link component, I what do I actually need? I need a link component with like a two prop um and like an active class names and like there's su subtle differences between gatsby's link component and next link component like there's an href and like next doesn't render a child tag like you have to do that yourself right mm -hmm. but the way i use it they always have an a tag so yeah it was kind of cool like i would make a few of those changes um or like refactor a bit of the code and that way it was like it basically it didn't know whether it was it's like my home, my navigation header didn't know whether it was being rendered in a Next app or a Gatsby app. It just, you know, it just used the components from UI. Okay, but the components in UI, you know, did the right thing. They would import Next Link. Exactly. Add, add the a, ta a tag. Exactly. Exactly. By, by the way, how awesome is Next Link? It's the best. It's the best Link API I've ever used. Um. Well. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> Uh, I'm a little confused by it. I, I had, I copied one of the things that had, had that made this very, very easy. And the things that would have added hours to my time is the fact that they have a lot of examples. Um, so the things that slowed me down, it sounds like someone's like destroying an apartment in my building. Sorry. Yeah. It's loud. <laughs> um, one of the things that the, the things that would have slowed me down, they didn't because of the examples. So for example, um, my next config has a little bit of of webpack uh code to help me get mdx to work i've never written webpack ever I i've never even read the docs so i don't even i've heard the term loader and like i've heard it in a conference talk but i don't even i just haven't learned it yet because i haven't had to so i was like all right this is gonna suck it's gonna you know i'm gonna have to learn this so i'm gonna take time to read it but i didn't i just got to copy this thing and it worked and um with the link thing it was an active class so you need to do something if you want to make it so that you can pass an active class name in um, because it doesn't have that concept and they have a use route. You know, I've done this with react router and reach router before where you basically mm -hmm. like use router and you check against the active, but then there, it's more complex than that. I did a whole video on this. It's actually not, th this is the kind of thing I would like to see as part of next link out of the box, but um, it's more complicated than just saying if href is equal to location.path, like current right. location.path because of the whole matching hierarchy thing. But um, they have an example. It's actually like the first example in their examples folder. It's called active class name, active link. So, you know, I just copied it. I wouldn't have written this code by myself. I mean, it's children.only and you pass in children, you get a child, you get the child class name, props, child.props.class name. And then you get as path from use router. And then you check if as path is equal to props.href or as path is equal to props.as. So I guess you can pass it in as. And that's like the href as thing, which, so going back to your thing, is the best link API. That part sucks, but they're actually changing that. Yeah, it's in, it's in what, the next version, right? 
It's in Canary, yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, I mean, that's that's amazing. It's yeah. It's, also, the, this is just something I really struggle with when I use like link components from all these frameworks. Yeah. And, you know, some of them add CSS classes. Some of right. them add, you know, in someone, some of them, I don't, they're in a tag, I guess. Right. That's what I would just assume. Um, I love that next doesn't render anything and it mm-hmm. decorates the first child. Yeah. It's just no, that it's part super is clear. Cool. It's super clear what's going on. And I, I never have to think like what's happening here. Yeah. You're just saying, right, you don't have to understand the abstraction because it's not actually, it's like a separate concern. Yeah, and all the all the link, all the link components in every framework I've ever used, they all leak because I have to know what what it's rendering. So. Right. But you do always want an A tag with a link, right? Button, maybe. If it's a link, though, and it has an href, it should be it a should link. Have an a. It should be an A tag. Yeah. The hard one is the but is a link that looks like a button. That's. That's the That's hard a, one. That's the square. <laughs> how to square that circle with given a button UI component that's like a renderless uh, presenter, a link presenter, and then an actual bit functional link. This is the other thing is that we usually have these presenter links presenters that are like, I just want the classes to make this look like a link, whether it's throwing it in Markdown, whether it's an external link or an internal link. But then you want to use that, yeah, in different ways. Sometimes you want it to be an internal next link sometimes you literally just want it to be an a with an href um but yeah then it renders a next link spreads the props on it and then this child is actually uh react.clone element child and then it passes in the class name so that's how they do the active class names basically is they use clone element why do they use react.clone element that's just I, how you do I, it i have to look at the code that must yeah, i be... think i think if you want if you want to add new props to a, a a child component you have to clone it and then add the props i, I gotcha. believe i believe that's why that was cloned if you don't if you don't need to change the child's props you can you just can render just cho- render children. render children gotcha yeah. children.map children.only verifies that children has only one child a react element and returns otherwise this throws an error okay cool so it's just saying gotcha so this link component is just saying all right you pass in a child it's an a tag probably and then, um, yeah, clones it. So that's, that makes sense. But again, this is the kind of thing that, yeah, it's it's obviously do I wish there was just like an API for it in Next? Yes. But at the same time, this is one of the thoughts that I had doing this stuff. Let me talk about the last thing and then I can make this point. So the last thing that took me a little bit was like sourcing my blog post because that's like the only kind of content I really have on my site right now. And in Gatsby, um, you know, uh, it's it's source posts. And when I first did this, like these are all MD and MDX files. And then I have like a Gatsby config where I have Gatsby plugin MDX. Um, And, you know, it's just funny, man. Like when I first did this, I remember really liking Gatsby's plugins because I just add them and then the blog posts end up in the content mesh. And I can just query them on the index page and know exactly what what I need to query to get the list of blog posts stored by date. I can even do some simple transforms at the GraphQL layer so I can format the date. All that stuff, I remember really, really liking that. Um, one thing that always annoyed me with Gatsby stuff was like you have to work with the image. Like they, they nudge you so hard into their image thing that even if you have like an inline image in a markdown file... Um, 
and, and and or you're using like mdx you want it to go through that same um like yep. image component and that's kind of a pain in the butt um so that was an annoying thing about gatsby that it was nice not to have to really just worry about although of course it means that the images maybe aren't as optimized but for my case it was fine um but so that was the question like you know gatsby is made for like ingesting content into its content mesh using graphql to render it out and so whereas Next.js doesn't really have like an answer for that per se like you're not going to find an answer for that so the question is like how do you do that and there's a couple different ways my first pass was copy another example again the examples directory is is amazing in, in Next.js repo so if you work with next and you haven't checked that out there is like so much good stuff in there and it seems like they're all maintained i don't really know how that's possible but there's like i think there's like a hundred examples in there it's crazy um and uh the first example i found that was like a blog a simple blog post example they made a dynamic route at um pages slash you know blog slash bracket slug.js which is how you do dynamic routes in next and then you use get static paths uh which is a node function that crawls your underscore post directory let's say and creates those pages so this was another thing i really liked about next is like Gatsby also has this notion of writing node code to generate things that's uh, build time. But like you go into Gatsby node and it's confusing. Dude, dude I, I just wrapped up a project where this was 85% of the code was me writing all these transforms. Yeah. It's, it's really, really powerful. But there's something about get static paths returns an object or what is it? A list, a list of objects that have the params in them yeah and this is in next yeah and there's something that's like i don't even need to think hard about that like i just know how that's going to work for every object in that list i'm going to get a new page and these are the params with with gatsby there's all these like on create node and create parent child link and you have to do all all this stuff and it it's powerful and it it you know i this project i did was awesome um but it's man you just have to have the docs open and yeah that's the, so that's much the thing. you have to learn. It, it feels like they're missing. Maybe those hooks are good for like Gatsby plugin authors because yeah. you know that's what they feel like they're more suitable for. But when you're just writing a simple thing, you just want one function that does it and you can read it from top to bottom. So again, I found myself copying and pasting examples, but quickly not being intimidated because all of it was right there and it was just a simple function. I can just see what's going on. Oh, to get the slugs, I'm calling fs read dir sync you know, in whatever director I want and just grabbing the name and that's it. And now like if I want to move these or like have an archive folder in there of things that aren't published, I can literally just filter out. I mean, it's just JavaScript or you're just writing code. So that part dude, is amazing. Dude, that's such a good point because in Gatsby, you don't do that. You use the source file system plugin, which does yes. that, that FS read for you. And, but then you have to read its data that it creates. So there's there's little hops and there's little translations that you have to make. Um, it's a layer of abstraction that you don't fully understand. So you get those feelings pretty quick of, wow, the surface area is big. Wow, I'm feeling overwhelmed. I don't know how all these pieces fit together. Um, yeah, am, I, am I even doing the right thing? Like, right, right. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, really pretty, pretty amazing. Um, also just so again like coming back to this like boundaries question it feels like next has such good boundaries because um 
all that code that's like outside of your UI, that's like the plumbing work, like crawling the file system, getting the, the pages or converting MD to markdown or MDX to like renderable code. It just feels really good. It doesn't leak everywhere. And also it just feels better like copying. It's just the process felt better of copying and pasting examples and tweaking it than my experience reading Gatsby docs and trying to understand how these things work. And when I have Gatsby plugin file system and Gatsby uh, plugin remark, and I want to add syntax highlighting, and then I have like, it's like there's this interaction where those three things happen. You're like, I'm just praying to God that there is a config option in one of these config plugins to do what I want. Otherwise, I'm screwed. And yeah. I just have to make a compromise. that I don't get exactly what I want. Now, to be fair with to Gatsby, I think their happy path is like the plugin authors have already taken care of this for you. Like you as a uh, someone that's writing a blog shouldn't have to be learning to about to on create node. Totally. And, and and there are so many times that I have been with Gatsby where that stuff works. But again, that 10%, 20% time where you want to go outside of it, um, you're you're going to be spending a lot of time reading docs as opposed to just tweaking a simple example. Like I just have like these little archive posts that I want to have like published false. And I have my little lib, you know, uh, post JS where, where I, I call like reader sync and all this is copied from the example and i was able to just tweak this you know um mm -hmm. or sort it by date or whatever i was just able to tweak this tweak it because it's just node code right here and i just call these from um blog index so this one so I, i'm actually not even using get static paths at all because i moved away from the dynamic route because that worked for markdown what their strategy in the example was for markdown was Use the dynamic slug route and um, use get static paths to get the slugs for everyone and generate those pages. And then when you render the thing, what you do is um, you look up, you, you read, you use get static props to FS read file sync, the actual markdown file, and then mm -hmm. put it into like a node function that's like HTML, markdown to HTML, right? So you run like markdown to HTML on the content and then you return that so that the block, the dy dynamic page gets the post as a prop, which has its content, which you can use like dangerously set inner HTML to render. And now you can do that on the server, like right at build time, it's just, um, it's just HTML. So it's rendered and, um, and then it works on the client as well. Of course, when I switch to MDX, because I have some blog posts that have some interactive stuff or like render some D3 charts. So I used MDX for that in Gatsby. Mm -hmm. Um, the example was a little bit different. And so after finding their example with MDX and looking at the Tailwind blog, I decided it was easier to just use pages for each blog post instead of like putting them in like an underscore posts and then having a dynamic route. Um, Cause like it wasn't as, you can't just, you, you can't, can't just, just serialize, serialize it to exactly. HTML. Yeah. Exactly. It yep. needs to be referencing like the JavaScript somehow for so the this, MDX this is, to work. Yeah. This is definitely, I think a, uh, point in favor of Gatsby because yeah, you, you don't even think about this. You just totally. write GraphQL and you're like, hey, it's just the MDX just shows up. Exactly. A hundred percent. So this was the thing that slowed me. This was the thing that made this like a two or three hour project into like a four or five hour project. But uh, once I found those examples, it was more about like knowing where to look and then like knowing what to copy kind of thing. Cool. Um, I feel like they could, if they had had an example with Next.js, um, that was a little bit more... Um, this was the problem. Their, ex their example with Next.js 
used pages, but I wanted like a folder for each blog post because I have assets. I didn't want to put my freaking pictures into public. And also this was like um, talking about those boundaries. One thing that was so nice when I was moving, I was literally copying pasting stuff from my Gatsby site to my next site. And I was like, if this happens again, like I want these posts to be self-contained. Like it says lowest common ancestor slash, and then it's like index.mdx. That's like the post. And then I have all these like gifts and images. I don't want to move those into like public slash whatever for next. And then like, static slash whatever if i'm in gatsby like i want those co-located um because it just feels like a way better boundary it just feels better and uh, i knew that um like adam had done that with with a tailwind blog so after looking at their example and seeing that they were able to do that using pages approach that's when i decided to do that cool um my i I have a question if you're you're done with yeah all that so my sort of like hot take on all this was like Next is better for apps. Gatsby is better for, you know, like the content Doc sites, site, Doc blogs. Sites. Yeah, exactly. Do you do you feel like Next is is gonna take over that take take like share away from Gatsby there? I think people like you and I who are comfortable learning this stuff and getting down and writing a little bit of Node code to do our work are probably going to end up liking this more. And also it just feels like getting reps in with next is a better investment. Um, learning how to get static props works and get all, all this, all these things. Um, there's like a read the, the thing I'm excited about learning with, uh, once I get my work journal ported over and get Firebase set up. So I have a backend is the, like the regenerate or fallback thing where let's say I have, you know, uh, 10 work journal entries in Firebase. I deploy my site, it crawls it, and it builds static pages for those 10 entries. But then I go and I add a new entry. It will work without rebuilding the site because it you have checks. That fallback thing. It revalidates in the background. So what it does is it serves you up a potentially stale version of the work journal. And then in the background, it does a fetch to Firebase. And if there's a new entry, it updates it. And then everyone else is going to get that version of the cached page. So that's what I want. I want to be able to basically edit my work journal without redeploying my app or even building it locally, but also redeploying it. And if there's a typo, I should be able to fix it without redeploying everything. So that's what I'm pretty excited about. What is this, like 1997 (laughs) dynamic apps? Yeah, no, that's... that's, So that kind of stuff is amazing. And like, again, just the trajectory of Gatsby for me is not really what... I don't think it's aligned with the kind of stuff that I work on that we work on as much. Absolutely. Like you're not... It, we're not writing like forms where you're putting in content and clicking the save button. That's yeah. just not good for Gatsby. I, even yeah. though I know you can do it. It's just, yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I, I think there are times where the Gatsby stuff will be ahead of it. Um, but I think it's probably, it feels like a, a, a riskier bet to go in on Gatsby because yeah, it's just a huge surface area. It's like you're all in on that or not. Like my next app, there's not a lot of next code in my next project. You know, there's way less mm-hmm. next code than there was Gatsby code in my Gatsby version. Because like you just open this and look at Gatsby config and it's, you know, it's 83 lines. Um, whereas over here I have like my little 24 line next config and that's just for MDX. Um, and then all the get static props and stuff. But that's like, it's just JavaScript functions. You know what I mean? It's just yep. node functions that I can run anywhere. Um, 
So again, I like the boundaries of it. I mean, especially if I start using the API routes, it will be more and more a next app, of course. It's not like I'm going to, it's it's going to be completely portable. I'm not going hexagonal ar architecture here. Um, but uh, no, man, I really like it. And I, I think, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what I would use uh, Gatsby for if I were starting a new project. Because if I was making, I think if we were starting MirageJS.com today, it's just a different landscape than it was a year ago, yep. uh, where Next didn't have like the state static uh, generation capabilities and all this other stuff. So yeah, I mean, I get you say you don't know. I guess I would say like the client work, like when we do client um, marketing pages or that's doc, true doc pages. We for clients we would do that because I, there's yes. You know, we're not going to be around forever to, you know, tweak the uh, the internals. The custom next code. That that is one thing where the constraints maybe are a really good thing, and you're just wiring together plugins, and um, you just stick with the happy path as much as possible, and um, yeah, you're not trying to make a custom work journal thing as part of your. It's just a static site, and and, and you just want it to be straightforward. And like the docs are good, like you. You can Google a lot with Gatsby and find a lot of people using it. It's super popular, right? Um, mm -hmm. But the next examples are really good too. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's tough. I mean, I really love, dude, I really love that <laughs> the node code is in the same file as your React component. Like, yeah, you have a little React component here and then you need to like scrape your post directory and you just have a like a six line function that does that in the same file you're importing fs from whatever you know node apis and um to me that's so much better because there's a high coupling obviously between these two pieces but they're not in separate files they're not in separate parts of your project and that concept is going to carry over so when you write your work journal piece you're going to have yes. node code that, yes. that fetches from firebase to exactly populate that react component down below it or above it however you're... exactly so pretty Pretty, yeah. pretty cool, man. Really, really cool stuff. It just, I, I just wrote this down as I was kind of reflecting after I finished and I was just like the whole process of working in it just felt better. It just felt better working on a next site. It felt more fun. Um, it felt faster. You know, I know we were talking about, we've both have some next projects that have like weird build issues right now. I wonder if it's because of the new fast refresh stuff, but in general, overall, like just working on this and porting it over, uh, it just felt more pleasant i wasn't waiting on gatsby to build graphql queries and delete caches and all that kind of thing um so uh it was pretty sweet man it was pretty sweet very cool yeah yeah so hopefully i'll get that video out this week and i'll have a dynamic work journal that will take me one minute to update every week instead of eight minutes <laughs> but it only took me 19 hours yeah it'll pay off after three and a half years exactly uh, what you been up to, man? What you been working on? Um, not too much. Uh, I have a next app, Amplify stuff. Hacking know, away same. on what you were talking about last time. Yeah. You know, I actually, I actually noticed something that I wanted to bring up. Um, so what, there's like a benefit I've noticed about like this Amplify. I'm just going to, we're not going to talk about Amplify. I'll just put like Amplify Firebase, you know, in the same bucket here. Yeah. Um, you know, in the past when we've done like consulting, there's, there's every company we've ever worked with. Um, there's always like a front end team and a back end team. Yeah. And it might not, they might be like on the same team, but there's always like one or two developers responsible for front end, one or two developers responsible for back end. And 
I feel like a lot of the tech that we pitch is always to make like the front end team more autonomous. So we, in the past we've gone in and we've said like, you should use D- JSON API. That way the front end developers don't have to spend hours every week convincing the back end developers how to shape, you know, new data for an endpoint. Just right. use JSON API and the front end developers can just fetch whatever data they need for the page. You make this. You're, this not, isn't, you're not kidding either about hours, you know, about these conversations. And, and it's not a one-time conversation. It's, right. it's literally every week. Right. And there's always, you know, oh, but what if we did it like this? No, I need it like this. And, right. you know, the wrong version gets deployed and meetings and meetings. And yeah. <laughs> so, so, but all this tech is always, it's always like, oh, let's make the front end team more like not have to rely on the back end team as much. Um, and that's like a big pitch that we make. But I don't know if we ever completely eliminate that. I mean, even when we use JSON API, like there's still tons of discussion that needs to go on. There's still, you know, we don't just escape the, oh, the front end team can now fetch whatever data they want. Sometimes there's not endpoints set up. Sometimes there are endpoints, but the like backend code is inefficient. So it's really mm-hmm. slow. Um, so I kind of realized that like there's a nice benefit of, of like the amplify Firebase model where you, you actually do make the front end team more autonomous, you, but you do it not by like, uh, you do it by completely eliminating the back end team. Right. Um, I thought that was interesting. So like all this, yeah, Take I was just reflecting back and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was just reflecting on like, even when we've like convinced teams to adopt JSON API, I, I don't know that we actually saw massive improvements i think the the code base is better off i think the developers are happy but i don't know if we got rid of those weekly meetings um i don't know if we truly made front-end teams autonomous um and so yeah it's it's just something i've noticed about you know this the way you make the front-end team autonomous is by completely eliminating the back-end team yeah 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 interesting um I just blanked out. I need calories. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's like a lot there, but um, what do you think? I know a lot of people are like, Oh, front end back end distinction is arbitrary and like, is not, not useful, like not good. And if we're writing like back end code in our front end apps, we're writing node and stuff. I mean, are we back end developers? Oh, I, I, I don't think that I think the distinction is awful. I think it causes more harm than good. Um, but I mean, just, Every single company that we've worked with. In the last, how, that's how they organize. That's how, yeah. There's always like, there's like two product people, two backend engineers, three or four front end engineers. And then there's like designers that, you know, come in for a week every six months. Like right, that's, right, that right. is the, right. how every team is set up. And so I think, um, yeah, I think if you, like we went into a company, it was like, no, you need all full stack engineers. Like, yeah. They would just be like, okay, we're not working with you. That's like ridiculous. We can't staff yeah. this project with all full stack engineers. So right. I think. I think that just for, that's just the reality of it. Yeah, um, and yeah, it, it does. It creates a lot of friction. And when you look yeah. at like think about it, like all the teams you've been on, I think like the people that are able to cross that bridge and they know how to communicate with the front end engineers or they know how to communicate with the back end engineers. Those are the people that tend to generally like you know can lead the project or have that more senior role on the team. Right. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, I think this is one of the your point is one of the reasons why GraphQL did get popular because it, the front end developer can open up graphical and get instant feedback on what they're able to query. 
uh, and mutate. And yeah, it's not true that you can just lob it over the fence and every query is going to be efficient enough. But I, the, from the stories I've heard, I, I guess that would be the question, right? The empirical test is if we had, you know, over the next few years, we do this with GraphQL instead of just a format, um, I, will it help? I feel like it'll be the same. I feel like there'll be arguments about what to name the things and um there's a million maybe less time wasted on a few things like the actual shape of things or like how to get it once it's in there because it's all answered by graphql right like the schema at least answers some of those questions but you still have to choose modeling and, and how to how to get it and stuff yeah it's just every 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 um you know i don't know what you call it like senior person that leads multiple teams at a company is always looking for like, oh, how do we make front end more autonomous? How do we yeah. give front end more power? And and yeah, I, just, I don't know. Like, I feel like in the past when we pitched these like little API things, I, I don't know. It's a, not a knock on the technology that it's we're just pitching. not the right way to solve the problem. Actually, yeah, and it's it's better. Like, maybe it's just because it's like a super hard boundary. Like, I can't mm-hmm. I can't schedule a two hour meeting on Wednesday afternoon with. Uh, AWS developers to get them to bike shed over or the names of um, the keys or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So maybe that hard boundary just really forces, you know, just forces the issue to just be resolved right there. Right. Interesting. It also reminds me of when DHH talked about like the the, the SQL developers and so the same thing, like the what is it, like the SQL admins or yeah. database DB, what do they call them? What were they called? What DBAs. They called? Yeah, DBAs. Yeah. Yeah. And just how. With the Did right I, technology, you don't need a DBA anymore. That's the way to figure yes. that. That's the way to solve that communication barrier is to just eliminate them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, how many, if you were like, oh, we need a DBA on this project. Like, yeah. People would be like, no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's some the places junior. where they still have need them, but like, right. Yeah, of, I mean, course, of, yeah. of course. But for, for <laughs> yeah, like your yeah. bread and br- butter crud web app. Yeah. I mean, it's true. Even like, more than that, right? Like 99% of apps probably. Yeah. Right. And it, it's true. Just think about all the teams we've been on. It's front end engineers, back end engineers, product person. Yeah. That's generally the makeup. Yep. I'm excited about getting Firebase set up here on my site and just seeing how I can do it, how easy it is, uh, making a little page, eventually a UI for me to edit the data, you know, as a logged in user. So getting off set up, I'd like that. Um, and um yeah it should be pretty cool yeah so uh, i'll have more to report back but i i just wanted to go you know i've used firebase or i've used hasura for a few side projects that like maybe i would have used this for in the past and i just wanted to go with a more all-in-one solution i know firebase is very easy and well documented and fast and everything with hasura it would just be especially because i have the api routes in my next app i would be able to do that fine and it would have a nice little place for it. i think the code would be pretty tidy but I just kind of want to use Firebase so I have auth and, and everything. Dude, I think you're going to love it. Yeah, I think so. I too. mean, I think you're just going to like. I'm going to be like, why have I been? Why is yeah. not everyone doing this? Like I built this entire thing in like no time and it's I, I didn't write code for it. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. I don't, yeah. There's nothing to maintain. It's yeah, yeah it's pretty sweet. So uh, I'll report back on that. But it's nice that, you know, and then integrating with the again, the revalidation feature from next. I'm excited to see how that goes. Yeah. And then deploying it to Vercel. So that should be done. That will be done by this week. And I'm going to get a video out by it. So uh, by the time this podcast is out, it should be up on my YouTube channel. It will be up on my YouTube channel. Cool. This was, uh-huh. this podcast was like the extended version of your video. Right. Exactly. The behind the scenes. Behind the scenes. Very cool stuff, though, man. Very cool stuff. Like 
I, I again just the 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 Gatsby and next question. It's kind of like where do I want to get my reps in and what do I want to invest in? And if you can whip up a next site with a Firebase backend that is like statically rendered and revalidates in the background, like I would make us like a fi- a website for our podcast where we can, yep. you know, I would make us a little like I just feel like there's so many things that would just be so easy to whip up and deploy and not become debt. You know, it's not mm-hmm. debt because most of it is React code and it feels pretty portable. And then there's a, this Firebase integration. So kind of exciting, though. Uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to seeing how it turns out. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Shall we wrap it? Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you next time. See you. Bye. Bye.